Well, thank you for a very formal introduction. My name is Matt Wright, <laughs> but you can just call me Matt. So, good morning. That wasn't too bad. I can always tell how uh, whenever I stand up at school and do an assembly or do a concert uh, and I get a bit of a gauge from the audience as to whether they're here for the right reasons this morning. Now, what I want to start off with is this question. Okay, Do you shine for God? It's not rhetorical. <laughs> do you shine for God? Yes. Then, then perhaps some of you, tell your face this morning... Okay, it's always good, isn't it, to kind of get a sense as to how people are by the way that we sit and conduct ourselves. Are you sat there right now looking at this guy going, who the heck is this? Why is he up here? Are you like this? I want you to really think about the passage that we're going to look at today and this question, do you shine for God? Is it something that through your life, through your actions, through your deeds, is it something that you do? So we're going to start off by having a look at the passage itself. So it's Luke 8, 16 to 18. It says this. It's entitled, A Lamp on a Stand. It says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. But there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be brought or known out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Let's just read verse 18 again, because there's a lot in there. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they will have, will be taken from them. Let's just pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, as we open up your word this morning, Lord, we just pray that uh, the words that we listen to are words from you. Lord, that you will speak into our lives, into our hearts this morning as we listen to uh, your scripture this morning and try and make it a sense of what we feel it might be saying to us. Mm. So Lord, give us ears that are open and hearts that are ready to receive you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, you'll be pleased to hear there are only three verses in this one, so they've started me off easy. So, we're going to split these down into three points. You're like, oh, the teacher and it's coming out now. Verse 16, verse 17, verse 18. It was actually quite scripted and written quite nicely for me. So, verse 16, I've titled, Are You Shining for God? Verse 17, Jesus opens the book of us. And verse 18, you are what you listen to. I like that. You are what you listen to. So, yes, thank you, Jonathan. Are you shining for God? Now, it got me thinking, this verse, okay, and we'll have a little read of it in a second, is we get loads of examples of, of uh, quotes from films, from key people, about light in the darkness. So, for instance, I'm a massive film lover, absolutely massive film lover. Uh, and I love the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And here's a quote from Tolkien. May it be a light to you in dark places when all other lights go out. William Shakespeare. How far that little candle throws his beams. So shines a good deed in a weary world. There's another one. You probably recognise who this might be. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Who's that? Yes, Martin Luther King. And then... 
Interestingly, I've never heard of this chap before. Uh, Wes Fesler. Anyone know who that is? You're a good class. <laughs> okay, American football coach, right at the start of the uh, 20th century, said this. No degree of worldly darkness can extinguish the glow of a soul's inner light. I really like that. Really, really like that. Now, we've also got this in Scripture. It says this in John 1, 4-6. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light that shines in darkness... Oh, sorry, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So there we go. We've got some examples of people, uh, gen like genuine people like us, but also from the Bible there as well. And the verse 16 starts like this. It says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. Now, what's your memory like? Got a good memory? This, this is the interactive part. <laughs> Have you got a good memory? Yes. Okay, what was Craig's sermon titled two weeks ago? Anyone remember? <laughs> Anyone remember? We're doing really well. This is previous learning. In teaching, you, you recap over previous learning. So, does anyone remember what that was titled two weeks ago? Well, I'd like to hope so. Kelly, go on. Don't skip over the bridge. Fantastic. And Craig showed us in that sermon a modelling structure. Thank you, Jonathan. That he used there it was I do... We do, and you do. And actually, this ties in, what Craig spoke about two weeks ago, ties in quite nicely with what Jesus is saying here. Okay, what's Jesus saying in this passage? It says, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in the light can see it. So Jesus here is modelling the answer using himself. Jesus is what? The light of the world. He is the lamp. He is the light in the darkness. He came to save and to be the brightest of all lights. He didn't choose to hide or work in the background. He could have. He could quite easily have just come down and done some stuff in the background. But actually, he chose to come down and to stand and be judged by others in the foreground, the bright light. And he set the example for the disciples to follow, which was... I do, we do, you do. He showed them, they did it together, they then went out and did it with the other people that they met so that they could do the same. Now, I started the week off because it's half term, so for us teachers, I say that's a week off, it's not really. Steve, Steve, Steve will know this, as will the other teachers in the room. You do a little bit of work, so you say that you're busy, but actually you then take some time off, no. Right, anyone tell me what this is? Or where I might have used this this week? Don't all rush at once. Okay, let me do it this way instead. Give you a bit more of a hint. Go on. It's a camping lamp. Okay, I spent the first part of this week away camping, which was lovely. Now, why have I brought this in, do you think? Okay, this lamp has got various different modes on it, which is wonderful. Okay, I can turn it on. And it, this lamp was built on the box as a lamp that does not attract moths and flies and all that sort of stuff. Because it has that yellow glow light in it. Now I can, if I wanted to, turn it on to a bit more of a natural brighter light that has various different stages within it in terms of brightness. But it starts off like this. Which actually, 
I mean, we only camped for two nights, so we weren't there for a huge amount of time. So it's not tried and tested yet. But when we had it on like this, and Sam testified, provided us quite a good light, right? Yeah, no, no moths came into our tent. But this is not how we want to be for Jesus. Okay, this is not us. It's very easy for us to hear the word in verse 16 and to be like the lamp that doesn't attract. We take that word in for ourselves and we keep it for us. What we want to be, and I feel Jesus is telling us in this part of it, is we want to be the light that does attract people. We don't want to be the light that is hidden, that is dampened, which is why I picked that picture up on the screen behind me. You've got a lamp with a light holding over the top of it. We want to be the light that attracts people to us. Because God, or the word of God, directs us to the light which is Jesus. We are aiming to show that light and love of Jesus through us. Which goes back to my first question. Do you shine and radiate Jesus all the time? You don't have to answer that one. It's like he's judging me today already. Okay. But I want you to think about that. Which mode are you? Are you the mode that hears Jesus but keeps it to yourself? Are you the mode that hears Jesus that thinks, oh, actually, do you know what? I know this is the good stuff. I know this is for me. But actually, I'm just going to keep it for me. Something that's just for me. Or are you the mode that actually attracts the moths? Are you the mode that attracts the people to you? This also does come with a little moth killer in it, but don't be one of them. Okay? <laughs> There's a, there's a separate message in there. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, um, but does anyone collect anything here? I don't. I don't collect anything. Some people do, some people don't. If I talk about mint condition toys, you know what I mean, right? Some people do. Do you know what I mean by that? Come on, give me something. Yeah. Okay. Now, what's the purpose of having a toy? A toy is there to be played with, okay? And my children, especially my youngest, okay, if we get toys out, straight in, okay? There is no real sense, and I know that some people, okay, no, let me rephrase what I'm about to say here, okay? I know some people like to keep it because it maintains their value. So that maybe in 10, 15, 20 years' time, it could be worth a lot of money, but it's never been played with. The purpose of that toy is to be played with. The purpose yeah. of that lamp is to shine light on things. Yeah. If you've got a toy, play with it. You don't know in 10 years' time whether it's going to be worth anything. It might be. We might not see you again because you'll be in your McMansion somewhere. <laughs> but you might not. And the Word of God is just like that. Yeah. It's not something that if you hold on to it in 10 years' time, it will be worth something. It's worth something now. Mm. For example, Matthew 15. Uh, Matthew 5, sorry, 15 verses 16 says this. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Very similar story to what we're looking at. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 to 6 says this. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry... We do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. 
the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. This is the best bit now. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory to be displayed in the face of Christ. Luke 11, also says, uh, Luke 11 sorry, verse 36 also says this, Therefore, if your whole body is full of light, no part of it is dark. It will be just as full of light as when the lamp shines its light on you. We need to let our actions speak for themselves as we shine for the Lord, don't we? Yeah. We need to let our actions speak for ourselves as we shine for the Lord. For example, simple things really. Be kind when we could be cruel. To forgive and not hold a grudge. To tell the truth when we could easily lie. To do the right thing even if it costs us something. But you might be sat there thinking, well Matt, you know what, they're really simple things. Which they are. They are simple things for us to do. But they are things that if we get right, people will see Jesus through us. We have a new set of behaviours that the Bible teaches us. It's in here. We pray, we read the Bible and we trust in God. We all have a joy that glows in the darkest of days and times, don't we? We are putting our lamp on the stand so that those we meet can see the light. Verse 17. Jesus opens the book of us. So verse 17 says this. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought into the open. Quite a big verse, that one. Yeah, got me thinking. For those of you that uh, don't know me very well, I like cycling. Uh, I cycle to work as much as I can. Uh, and I brought in for you one of my bike lights. Oh, I love a gimmick, this guy. Okay. Now, in my head, the purpose of a bike light is twofold. One, to shine so that I can see where I'm going. Second, to illuminate myself so others can see me. Now, like my bike light, it would be ideal if it was pitch black in here, but it's not. So I'm going to try not shine this to someone's faces. My bike light, if I turn it on, has got different modes to it. Okay, different brightnesses. And I'll keep going. Before I go on to the next one, no one is epileptic, are they? If you are, look away. Okay, all right. Different parts of the bike light, different bits. This is essentially us. We are all different. We are not the same. We shine with the light that's in us. But on some days, that light might shine stronger. That's where I've got my full beam. On some days, it might not be quite so bright because actually, you know, we're going through one of those troughs that we have in life. But that light is still there. We are still there on that road to illuminate as well as to spotlight. We need to see and draw attention to ourselves when it's dark. And this verse talks about those sorts of elements. It shows that things are hidden, or that if we have hidden things, God will bring those into view. But it also draws attention to us. 
Okay, the lamp in verse 16 shines its light in many different directions. It doesn't just focus in on one point. Whereas verse 17 tells us that at some point God will look into the book of us. And like the image I've got up, what will be written in yours? What will be written in mine? Some of those things you'll, you know, we'll all know about. Other things we don't perhaps publicise. But God will be able to shine those lights on those. Now this verse sounds like a bit of a warning from Jesus to those who are with him. However, it's probably, I think, more of a fact that there are no secrets from him. Yeah. Nothing we can conceal at all. God will reveal our true character in time. His light will shine a spotlight on things that we need to change or repent for. And I think this verse is like an invitation to us all. Jesus asking us to perhaps stop what we're doing in our busy lives, to pause, think and ask ourselves, is there some area of my life that I truly want to change? Is there something that I want to stop doing or saying? Is telling us to put the brakes on to take a step back. Because God's word word exposes those things in our heart that we might want to keep hidden. However, God's word also, through the Bible, equips us to make those biblical changes so that we can be more like him. Yes, we need to live our life like an open book. So that if we're like verse 16, we're that open lamp shining for people. And there are things that perhaps we do need to keep a bit more private. For instance, how much money we earn, blah, 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 all those sorts of things. However, our book needs to be there for others to read and copy our examples. God sees straight through us, and I've mentioned that. But it's important just to reflect on that, that God does see straight through us. And we need to keep moving on our faith journey with him. Now, it got me thinking about journeys. And it also got me thinking about animals. Don't ask how and why. Okay. But if I mentioned to you, do you know how sharks travel? Or how they breathe? Would you be able to answer that question? No, I didn't really. I was just kind of looking up about um, how different animals travel. And I found out about sharks. Sharks are obviously quite nasty predators. You get the old classic John Williams. The two notes, really menacing. Semitone apart. But actually, what I didn't realise is that sharks have to continue swimming to be able to breathe. Did you know that? Some people did. Okay. The water moving over their gills gives them the oxygen. If they stop for a prolonged period of time, that's it. No more. It's just done. (laughs) You don't get the second. He ain't coming for you. But the shark has to keep moving for it to breathe. And actually, it's a great representation of us in our Christian life. For us to keep going in our faith, we've got to keep moving with God. We need Jesus like the shark needs oxygen. Now, our faith journey is exactly the same. We all have the same starting point. When we give our lives to Jesus, starting point. However, as I look across the room, some of us, please don't take offence to this, are further down that journey than others. Okay? And that might mean we're at different stops along the way. 
Now when we get into our car, we go to our sat-nav, or perhaps some of you are pretty old school and get your map out, and it tells us, but when I went to go and pick Sam up this morning from the siren system, I was like, I can't quite work out where she is. Bim, 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 in the sat-nav. Tells me how long it's going to take me to get there, how many miles it's going to take. To a certain extent, although my sat-nav isn't that posh, it could tell me whether there's traffic. The Bible's no different. We have the map just here. It's here for us to see. The only thing we don't know at this stage is the total number of miles and the total time it will take us to meet the Lord. We don't know that. Nobody does. But we have the map to get us going in the right direction. Faith isn't a perfect journey, and the journey has its bumps in the road, as we do with life. But faith keeps us going. Faith keeps us fueled. We might need a tow on our journey, and this is where our Christian family come into play to provide the support vehicle to keep us on our way with God. Jesus is the one who will open the book of your life and mine and will read what has been written. He will reveal those things that we haven't declared to him. Verse 18. You are what you listen to, which I thought was quite an appropriate title for a music teacher. It says this. Therefore... Consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. Now here's a good question. Do you listen carefully? Some of you are nodding. Some of you are shaking your head. I guess the first test was, can you remember two weeks ago what Craig talked about? <laughs> <laughs> Now, if I was to sit here and go, right, husbands, do you listen to your wives? You don't need to answer that question. Wives, do you listen to your husbands? Brothers, sisters, do you listen to your mums and dads? Oh, we could be going forever. <laughs> but I want you to listen to this. Here you go, little riddle for you. So, you're the engineer of a train and there are 36 people on board. At the first stop, I'll go visual as well, 10 get off, and two, get on. You with me so far? At the next stop, no one gets off, but five more get on. At the third stop, four get off, and two get on. Now, what's the name of the engineer? <laughs> Correct, it's me. How many of you picked up on that? Some of you did. Okay, started off with... You're the engineer of the train. Which is why Matt says Matthew. We get, it's very easy, isn't it, to not listen to the start because we're wanting to try and get all the information. And I'm just as guilty as this. Someone will talk and go, yep, 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 yeah, because we're busy. Or we think we know the answer. And this verse is telling us to be really careful about what we listen to. Because actually, sometimes, and I talk for myself on this, I'm not talking for you, okay? I could certainly listen more carefully. The world we live in contains so many things to listen to, doesn't it? From music, to news, to things on social media. Now, when I was a young lad, don't laugh, that's not funny, still young. Okay, I used to get the train into London for two years. Okay, I used to go to music college, get the train into London and have a nice little commute. And I was awful on the train. 
before you start thinking, what did he do? <laughs> I took a book to read, but I couldn't concentrate because old Bing here, we're going, what, listening to that over there, listening to that over there, because there's so many things to listen to. It was so distracting. You can hear about what someone did the day before, where they're off to today. It sounds mental, but to focus myself, go with it, I had to put music on in my headphones to almost block out everything for me to concentrate on reading my book. And our journey with God is exactly the same. Verse 18 says this, Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. And I think we all need to slow down and carefully consider what the Lord is saying to us. 1 Samuel 3, verses 9 to 10, tells us a story which we're all familiar with. It says, it says this, So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times. Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. I want to challenge you with a little challenge here. After the service, when we kind of all gather down that way, I want you to try and see if you can hear that one voice that you're used to listening to when everyone else is talking. Because actually it's quite difficult in a room full of people to hear that one voice when everyone else is talking. However, I'm guaranteeing, I'm sure, if you stopped and focused in on the one voice that you wanted to listen to, you would be able to hear it that little bit more clearly. And we need to give ourselves time and space to, like an old school radio, tune ourselves in to what God is trying to say to us. To ask him to speak to us because... We are listening just like Samuel did. You are what you listen to. To be more like God, we need to listen to him and not to listen to those around us who may lead us astray. To not listen to what the media is telling us or what we should be like. To not listen to those things we read on the internet that go against God's will. We must listen to him. You are what you listen to. And Jesus adds another reason to the end of the verse that I kind of split into both positive and negative. So we are told that whoever has will be given more. That's our positive. If we've carefully listened to God, been open to his teaching and are living our lives brightly for him, then we shall be given more. It says that right there. Jesus has said it. And we hear this in the previous parable that Neil spoke about last week. And I haven't brought a hammer in. So no panics. Okay. Because we want to be represented as the seed that falls on the good ground. If a farmer takes a seed and plants it into a good ground, into good soil, more fruit will sprout forth. This is what we need to be. This is what we're being told in this part of the passage. We must be the good soil and the good seed. If we possess even the smallest amount of truths about God then he will give us more. The negative we've got to be careful of says this, whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. So if we're not grounded by his truth in our ears, to listen to him, and are only walking by sight but not by faith, and are not listening and living by the word of God, and his grace and his mercy, he will not bear fruit within us. So what do I want you to try and take away from this is the following. 
three simple steps, really, that I want to just challenge you with this week. I want you to think about showing others God's light in you by the deeds you do, by the way you live, the way you speak, and by your actions. And I don't mean that as a talking down to you, because this is definitely aimed at myself as well. But I just think that first part of that verse is wholeheartedly telling us to not be the anti-moth light. We want to be the moth-inducing light. The one where people see us and go, there is something different about that person. What is it I want to know? Why is that person in the midst of everything still upbeat? Life is rubbish for them right now. What have they got that I haven't got? Also, Living Transparently is a book that is open for everyone to read. If we do the first thing, the second thing comes pretty much as a given. Because people will ask us, what have you got? It's easy, Jesus. Okay, how do I know more about it? Here's your map. There you go, have a read. And thirdly, by listening to the voice of God and to his word, by taking a step back, which is not easy in our busy, busy lives, but we need to try and make it easy to take those moments, to set aside that time to sit and listen to God. Because he says in that parable, Jesus tells us, that if we stop and we listen carefully, more will grow within us. I'm going to invite Neil and Matt to come up as we just pray to finish. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the parables that you've given us to live our lives by. Lord, I just want to pray for everyone that is in this room that they will be the light that shines in the darkness. That, Lord, they will be the lighthouse that is not only illuminating but also spotlighting, drawing people to them. Lord, I pray you give people courage that if they're asked as to what is different about you and how can I get it, Lord, that you will just give my brothers and sisters the courage to explain you, to explain about the Bible. Lord, go before them in conversations, give them the right words. And Lord, we just thank you for your word today. Lord, we just pray that the passage that we've looked at will resonate with us, not just this week, but in the weeks to come, Lord Jesus. That we remember in our darkest of times, because Lord, we will have them, that we aren't alone, we have you. We have the church family. Lord, if we need a toe, help us to reach out. So Father, I just thank you for our time spent in your word this morning. We ask this in your precious holy name, Lord. Amen.